welcome to The Trusted Advisor, a channel-focused podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a special quick take episode of the pod where we're going to talk for about 20 to 25 minutes and feature one RSPA member who will speak at the RSPA Academy Education Online Symposium on August 26th and 27th. This symposium will feature more than 20 education sessions and dozens of expert presenters, including today's guest, Keith Sampson, the National Sales Director for North American Bank Card. Great to talk with you today, Keith. Hey, thank you so much for having me here. No, thanks for taking time uh, out of your schedule to do this. So before we dive in and talk about the symposium presentation and then want to spend time with you on a couple other subjects, talk about your role at NAB. You are not a typical national sales director. Uh, can you talk about uh, what you do and what all is under that umbrella? Yeah, so I mean, uh, a lot of people, I guess, summarize a sales director, somebody that oversees sales. Um, I'm a little bit different. I have actually a very unique position there, a unique job responsibility, and it starts with the fact that I have absolutely zero people that work for me, which means I can focus 100% of my time and energy on the things that help our sales partners and our ISV partners be more successful. And essentially, that's that's my role, right? My role is to wake up every single day and put that first. I oversee our partner council. I try to bring the partner's voice back to at the corporate level. What do they need? What's really happening on the ground? working with new products, working on development programs uh, that just continue to focus on making those sales partners successful. And we've seen a lot of success with that. Got it. Thank you. And you do, uh, you part of your role is with content, with events, uh, things like that. Can you touch on those a little bit uh, to give our, our listeners and our viewers a little bit more color in terms of what all that involves? Yeah, and it's, a part, it's part of my job that I really, really love. Because uh, again, you know, I'm one, I'm ridiculously like outgoing, right? And, uh, and so it's been hard being in this environment and I love opportunities like this to even see people on the other side of the screen and bring value in a different way. But yeah, so the events, uh, you know, I oversee our annual sales conference, which we had to obviously not have this year because of the current situation. We were doing uh, road shows. I had 10 to 12 of them scheduled throughout the month where I'd pop up in a city and it was basically a free lunch and learn. We'd have an event, we'd market it, sales partners would come in and we would invite some of our ISV, some of our, uh, what I call resource partners to come and present their product. And it was a big day of education where they have free lunch, learn a lot about products they can take back to their merchants. In fact, the most recent one we had was in Atlanta right before everything shut down. I mean, we were hanging out down there when like the NCAA tournament got canceled. And we think about it, like in that moment, like, oh my gosh, no bracket. Like, what am I going to do this year without a bracket? And now it seems like I wish all I had to do was not have a bracket this year. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like the beginning of it. Everything seems so big. And, um, you know, so we were down there. We had one in Atlanta. We actually had a sales partner. Him and his wife drove from Texas all the way to Atlanta for this event, which was just awesome to see the traction of these events and, like, how much value it's bringing to people that they took the time and energy to drive all the way from Texas to, to come to it. And um, yeah, so I mean, that was a big part of my job and still is. And, uh, you know, so we've had to pivot those. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden you're not going live. You're not doing the trade shows. You're not doing road shows. You're not being able to be face-to-face with people and bring that the value that way. You know, so what do we do? Yeah. Well, I, I just find your position really interesting. I really love it when vendors think outside the box, to use a cliche, in terms of how they can serve their partners as opposed to, 
you know, something that, hey, we've done it this, we're going to do it the same way that we've always done it to really, really meet their needs. So, well, great. And that yeah. background gives you a little bit of a different perspective that we're going to touch on uh, throughout today's pod. So, but let's talk mm -hmm. first about uh, your presentation at the RSPA Academy Symposium. Uh, your talk yeah. is titled Enabling Customer Success with programs outside the surcharge challenge. Can you break that down for us, share some highlights and explain why this topic is important to VARs and ISVs? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, without getting into all the different programs that exist in the space here, we kind of talk about that in that education session. I'll go through four primary areas, but this, this entire area of allowing the merchant to profit more in a way that covers their expenses is, is growing leaps and bounds. I mean, it's generally one of the largest attended um, sessions at any of the acquirer shows or some of the other different events. And so that opportunity, you know, to be able to bring that kind of content to you guys in a way to look at it from an ISV perspective. Because before I took the role that I did here at uh, NAV within the partner piece, I actually worked with our ISV team quite a bit. So I got to work with a lot of ISVs. So, you know, to sit down and break it down in a very, uh, let's call it agnostic approach. like. Here's this, here's the positives and negatives of it, of this, here's the facts about this particular option. And if you decide to go down this option, here's how your software should perform in a way that supports it. Like that's what we're gonna do in this session. We're gonna go boom, 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 right through it, very factual, and then tie that all into the customer experience. And um, you know, again, without giving too much away uh, of that session, personally, I'm a huge believer in providing an absolute incredible customer experience. You know, we live in an experience economy and it's the difference between success and failure oftentimes. You know, and even if you take it and, and I'll challenge them, maybe some of the ISVs watching this, you know, how, how's your software, how's what you're doing helping the end user enhance their customer experience? Because and I'll pick up my phone, even though I set it way over here, ordering on this and having a pair of, my je pair of jeans at my doorstep tomorrow is ridiculously convenient. Now, hopefully your software is allowing merchants to do that in a way that it's not all ending up at Amazon or something of that nature. But, you know, when you look at it in an in-store option, if, if people are, when they're coming in, even if their masks are on or you got plexiglass up, you know, is the software allowing you to engage your customers to extend that customer experience outside of your four walls? And that's really kind of an approach I take, you know, this whole topic of surcharging, this whole topic of doing something that disrupts the buyer experience in a way so that way the merchant can profit more you know the execution of that can be absolutely critical to one the longevity and success of the program but more importantly to the attention that that merchant can then get in a positive way to continue to grow their brand to grow their customer experience okay well thank you for for sharing those details i'm curious because you i've heard a lot about customer experience right and enhancing that and and making sure the merchants end users feel like they're being treated well in an exceptional experience. But can you talk about combining that with, and it's more profitable uh, for the merchant as well? That seems like a, to do both those things would be great. I mean, Jim Collins has the genius of the and, right? You don't have to do a good, a, a tremendous customer experience or uh, saving money or more profits. You can do both yeah. of those. Can you talk about how do you see ISVs threading that needle because it's tough enough to run a software you know company it's tough enough to add new features uh, can you talk about how they achieve both those goals or what you've seen yeah i mean it, 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 again I, I really don't want to take too much away from the sure. educational piece you know what i mean because like if i say too much and it like 
maybe throws away, you know, throws in some of the secret sauce in his head. But, um, you know, I, I tend to look at it this way. Execution is a large part of creating a great customer experience. And so you have, when, when you start to, when you sit through this uh, educational symposium piece and you look at, you know, the four options that gets laid out, and then you take those four options and you go, which one can be executed in a way that makes sense from the customer perspective? And I think that, that, will, that will help. And that's where the value lies for the ISVs because, you know, the ISVs are fighting for attention just like payment processors are, just like, I mean, anybody else is trying to get new customers, right? So if the ISVs, as they're fighting for attention to get that new business, to get a sales partner if they're in a reseller channel to sell their product or to get a merchant to organically make a choice to go with their product, if they're bringing solutions to the table that not only, like you said, Jim Collins with the and, not only solve a current pain point, but also and allows me to focus on growing my business, being more profitable, that's going to give them a step above uh, other competitors who aren't taking steps down that path. I see. Interesting. Uh, and so good. Thank you for sharing that. I won't press you any more and have you, you know, spill any more beans <laughs> on your uh, symposium presentation. Uh, but again, so uh, Keith is going to be talking for 45 minutes. And so we only devoted about five or six to this right now. So there's there's plenty more uh, where that came from. Uh, I will say this to ISVs who are listening. So software developer executives, not only do we want you to register for this symposium, uh, but also uh, the RSPA has its own niche and startup ISV community. We have over 60 executives who are part of that. We spent last week a couple hours in two separate groups talking about their struggle of adding customizations and managing customer expectations and how they execute properly on that. So uh, if you're a software developer, want you to register, want you to reach out to us at membership at GoRSPA.org, see how you can get involved in that, that ISV community. So, okay, let's pivot to a couple other uh, subjects, Keith. Yeah. So you, you play a role with social media at NAB, mm -hmm. we talked about you know how your uh, national sales director role is is different uh, than others, yep. and so social media is one of those. What are some of the social media best practices, or maybe some tactics to avoid that you think would benefit the VARs and the ISVs listening uh, to us today or watching us today? Okay, so I kind of take um, a different approach to social media, and when we talk about like uh, you know. Um, if you guys have ever listened to Gary Vee, like I, I listen to and consume a lot of his content. And um, there's a lot of different pieces that I sit there and I say like, oh, you're reaching for one of his books, huh? Yeah, I mean, so those of you who are Crushing just it. listening, uh, Gary Vee's Crushing It, How Great Entrepreneurs Build Their Business and Influence on You Can Too. Uh, Gary Vee, uh, I have not run into anybody who says I read his stuff and I didn't like it. So uh, Gary, exactly. and his last name is Vee. Vaynerchuk, Vaynerchuk, but he just goes by Gary V, uh, obviously. So sorry to interrupt, but yeah, that's definitely one that's on, oh, on my okay. bookshelf. So what, what's interesting is when you come across, like I've only been really consuming his content for maybe the last year, okay? Um, but, you know, him and like other books that I've read, they kind of weave together things you start doing naturally, and maybe they could put a better voice to like, oh, yes, that's what I've been doing, and they've expressed it better. And you end up adopting some of it as your own. So if you hear some of this and you listen to him, you're going to like, oh, Keith's just regurgitating Gary Vee, right? But hey, you know what? When somebody's right, they're right. So in, in my opinion, I look at it as attention, right? And, you know, you want attention. Everybody's fighting for attention, and you want to do attention in the most inexpensive way possible. The other piece, too, is you want to bring value to people. And that's another big filter when I look at the content and how I use social media. And if I can, like, I'll pivot back to how this relates to my job um, that like, I already described. 
So again, going back to Atlanta, we're doing physical road shows. NCAA gets tournament gets canceled. I've got a show in Miami. I've got a show in Vegas in April scheduled. And I'm on the plane going, and I don't know if these are going to happen. And, and I had to sit there and think, do I have to be present in the room to bring value to our sales partners? And the fact of the matter, no. No, we don't, right? We don't. Can I do this virtually? And I won't dive off into how, how that changed some of the stuff we've done that's been really, really effective over the last couple months. But filtering it back to social media, it's that same idea. If I'm using social media, I don't have to be face-to-face. -face. I can bring value to people's lives through the content that I promote. So whether it's a quick, you know, I threw one up uh, yesterday. I did a little tweet and then, you know, I take a screenshot of it and I post it through a couple different things. And it was just like, don't let the fear of failure keep you from making choices, right? Because sometimes we have to fail to learn and grow and get better, right? And I just share it. You know, if somebody reads that, even if it's one person out of the hundreds that we have in our closed group that I push to, and one person reads that and they go, you know what, that's right. Tomorrow I'm doing this. And it made that one person's life better, worth it. I don't care about the likes. I don't, I, I don't post for likes, right? I post because I feel it's something that somebody could benefit from. And if it's one person, I'm good with that. And, you know, but that's kind of the mindset. So, you know, I handle, I don't handle all of NAB's social media. I handle just some of the stuff with our partners. You know what I mean? So I, I, I do that. I look at what my own personal content, what I share on LinkedIn, what I tweet. Uh, you know, on Instagram personally, I have a personal page, which is private. And then I've got a public Keith Stanser page, which is public. And I keep family stuff out of that one. So I, I, I try to differentiate between the two and the audiences and then create content to those audience that brings those people value. I see. So it's not, and this is something that we've emphasized in past uh, artist pay presentations, whether it's at Retail Now and Inspire on our marketing committee, in terms of serve up content that's going to help your audience. It shouldn't be, look at our building, look at product A, look at product B, guess what's next? Product C, right? So you have to do some level of that, but you really have to lead with that content or else folks just aren't going to pay attention to you anymore because they're not going to see it as helpful. Is that, and yeah. I think Gary Vita calls it value, value, sell. Uh, you know, some yep. sort of a cadence like that. Is that, you know, more or less what you're describing and what's been uh, effectual, uh, effective for you uh, with your partner community? 100%. And, you know, and I'll take it one notch farther. Um, one of the things that I speak about when given the opportunity is, is creating, I have a little session that I do and it's called creating an incredible customer experience or die. You know, <laughs> I know that sounds like very harsh, but that's, that's what happens, especially in today's environment, right? If you're not meeting the current experience needed, man, it's already hard enough. If you're not doing it, good luck, right? But one of the pillars of creating that incredible customer experience is having a culture of ridiculously loving your customer. And I'm talking like fanatical, I love my customer to death. And then what does that look like? So now when you take that mindset into social media and that you start filtering the content that I'm putting out there, through the idea that I ridiculously love my customer, that it's not about me, right? The, the, the content that I put out isn't about making me feel better. It isn't about me, it's about them. And, you know, and so that's, you know, and, and it's, is my customer experience able to be seen through my social media? Is, you know, am I looking at social media as a vertical to extend my customer experience 
or is it just a platform that I'm throwing stuff out there because people say I should? Yes, inform them, entertain them. It's not promote us. Uh, it shouldn't be an, an exercise in, in looking in, in the mirror. So yeah, provide that value and then you can sell. And so I guess we've spent the first 15 minutes providing value. I have to do a quick uh, sell here uh, to thank the sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star, Heartland, ScantSource, and Shift4 Payments. And we also appreciate their support of the RSP Symposium, which again, we'll talk about a little bit later and we talked about a little bit earlier, August 26th through 27th. Uh, to receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, you can email membership at gorspa.org. Uh, so we talked about social media. You've also, you have also touched on events. What's your perspective on where events are heading the next 12 to 18 months. Like I personally, and a lot of folks I've talked to have pretty much written off all of 2020, like thinking they're gonna be no more en masse at all uh, physical events for the rest of the year. Do you believe that? And then also, what do you think the forecast is for our channel, our industry from events next 12 to 18 months? So, I mean, man, yeah, it's it's crazy. Everybody knows that. I mean, I, I can't pretend to be an expert on what COVID's gonna look like six months from now, how we're going to be handling it, what things could be happening. Like I said, what, it, I already told you, like, we're freaking out that the NCAA tournament was canceled. Two or three weeks later, we're watching <laughs> events across the board. Get so right. it seems so uh, quaint now to be like, oh, I couldn't have my road shows or the NCAA tournament. I was the same way. And now it's yeah. like, man, if that's all that it was, you know, it was again, we were, we were fairly innocent back then. And maybe we don't realize yeah. it, but we're innocent right now, a few months into this. And we very well could be, it could get a lot worse. And frankly, we could just sit there two months from now and go, oh my gosh, it's so much better now. Mm -hmm. It was horrible, but like we're on the upside, right? I mean, it, we just we just don't know. What, what I would rather, I guess, answer that question with is more of a, a, a challenge. So regardless, like we have a responsibility, especially as organizations that provide events or that do events as one of our channels to provide value. It's, I feel it's almost like we have a responsibility to stay nimble enough to meet our clients where they're at in a way to continue to provide value. If that means, like, I just did another virtual road show on Wednesday from the basement in my house, from this area right here, right, where we had, like, 130-some uh, people attend. I did, in the beginning of April, like, we pivoted so quickly, ended up doing the first in our, in my, in, at least in my, uh, in my uh, limited knowledge or whatever, in the payments industry, we did the first virtual conference. We did it April 6th and 7th. We had 26 sessions, 16 outside uh, companies, two keynote speakers, 330 attendees from my basement under quarantine. I had no producer. It was me with cameras and lights and whatever else. I was buying stuff on Amazon, right? Tremendous amount of value at next to nothing expense. So I think what we've learned is there's ways to add, and that's what it's all about, right? It's adding value to people. And, if, you know, I think what we're going to end up with, and I can talk about what kind of what I'm planning, is I have put together, I'm doing a road show once a month for the remainder of 2020 and probably extend that through there. I mean, honestly, the virtual road shows may be a thing permanently here, never going away, once a month in perpetuity as long as I'm doing this or somebody else takes my place or whatever else because of the immense value that they bring and people all over the country versus the physical ones. Like I said, we're in Atlanta, Atlanta people come, somebody drove from Texas, smaller audience, less impact. Now, when you start looking at 
physical roadshows, physical events, that's been our communication. It's we will pick these up as soon as it's response or as soon as it's professionally and responsible to do so. We're not giving any dates, we're not making any promises, but we're also able to sit there and go, oh, hey, November's looking like we might be able to do one. Cool. I have I have everything down to be able to pull two or three locations and make it happen relatively quick. So that that being able to be nimble and meet our clients where they're at is going to be really, really important for both virtual and physical events. That sounds like good advice. Instead of taking a wild guess in terms of what it could look like down the road, be prepared for whatever comes your way. And it reminds me of uh, one of our uh, community roundtables that we had for the RSPA. And, you know, early on in this pandemic, it was, boy, are you panicking? And it was, now is the time to get creative, right? This is the opportunity for you to create new value because, the you know, the world that we're living in is shifting instead of just crawling yeah. under your desk and, and covering your head pivot with it and see how you can help uh, in this, again, hate using the phrase new normal, but it's definitely a, a new landscape that folks are facing. I'll just, that's burning my brain forever. Now's the time to get creative. And it sounds like that's the advice you're having as well, Keith. 100%. And I got one more word of advice for everybody that's watching this, right? Because it's really, until you sit on the other side and you're the one having to put together a massive event, okay? You really don't know all of the things that take place behind the scenes and how long it does to prepare for, especially really, really large ones like Retail Now, for example. So, you know, I, I implore you all to apply a, a ridiculous amount of empathy towards, you know, organizations like the RSP and everything else, because it's unreasonable to even ask an organization, plan an event, spend all that time and money when there's a giant question mark still sitting out there, if it can even happen. Like that's ridiculously, in my opinion, ridiculously unfair to the RSPA or anybody else, ETA, whoever it is that are normally responsible for doing these types of events, because if they're doing that with a big question mark, that's a bunch of time, money, and resources that they're not able to dedicate to actually helping you where you're at today in a different format. Got it. Well, thank you for your uh, your perspective on that. Uh, my last question for you, and we love asking yeah. our uh, guests on the podcast uh, this question from time to time. Can you recommend for our audience a book to read, an online resource to follow, a podcast to listen to uh, that you think will help improve their organization? Yes. Uh, can I can I can I answer that with a couple? Do you care? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever, right. whatever you want. So, podcast. I already mentioned the Gary V. Like, check that out. And he's been doing uh, a series of uh, marketing for the now which has been ridiculously good. Like all the guest speakers he has on that have just been so solid. And then when it comes to books, um, I actually grabbed a couple off my shelf. I keep right down here because it's inspiration. I pull them in thoughts. I've got two. And they're kind of, some of them may be a little bit old school, but Brains on Fire by Robin Phillips. If you haven't checked this out, amazing read. I'm talking, it talks about like the gist of it is, is a big difference between building a campaign and building a movement. And the idea of like, and I, and I try to teach some of the similar stuff when I'm trying to build a loyal customer base, so the ISVs is you're out there trying to create products to have merchants and have businesses using your product for the long run. Do you want a loyal customer base or do you want a fan base? You know, and think about it like a fan base is like, they're in, right? And so that's, that's a lot of this. And the other one, which I think is ridiculously applicable for today, is Inside the Magic Kingdom. And it's like seven keys to Disney's success. The, both those two are in my quote, top 10 books, right? That I recommend to people. And the seven keys to Disney's success literally starts really taking it down to that customer experience level. 
down to the details where every night you have hundreds of quote cast members walking around and they see a nick of paint on a railing they retouch it up right the, the attention to detail to make sure somebody's experience isn't any less than somebody the day before is absolutely phenomenal and when you sit there and you start looking at how we have to constantly be changing with new technology to meet the customers where they're at today and it could be different next week because we don't know what's coming around the corner to like ingrain that kind of cultural awareness is, is super important in my opinion yes and while uh vars and isvs don't have railings that they have to touch up necessarily they have their product offering that they need to touch up and and align and adjust and tweak from time to time you don't ever want to uh want to neglect that at all well and it's and it's and it's yes it's that but it's also down to how the phones are answered right if one day i call in for assistance with my software and it's great you know what i mean and the next day it was ho-hum yeah i mean like it, it, you got to take it at all levels you know what i mean like are you delivering 100 percent every single time yes every single time like you said not just a hit and miss it's it's every single time so, well, speaking of time, we're all out of time uh, for this discussion today. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel uh, and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate it if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. The more stars, the better is what we like to preach. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the point of sale channel, register for the RSPA Academy Education Online Symposium on August 26th and 27th, the symposium will feature six tracks, VAR and ISV executive education, marketing, sales, customer experience, security, and next-gen technologies. You can register for the symposium at gorspa.org and just by following the knowledge tab in the navigation. Before we go, big thanks again to Keith Sampson for sharing his wisdom with us today. Keith, really appreciate your time. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. It's an absolute, like, like I said, it's a blessing to be able to be here. I, I consider myself really privileged to share and hopefully bring value to somebody's life this way. Well, great. And we're privileged to have you part of the uh, of the RSPA membership and as well as the, uh, the great community that we have in the association. Uh, thanks also to RSPA Marcom, Chris, Manage Chris Arnold. Uh, sorry. Thanks also to RSPA production manager, Chris Arnold, for his production work. Joseph McDade for our music. And last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point of sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website, gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.